Hello and welcome to another episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you may laugh or you may learn, available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. My name is Theo, and the most important question of the day, how are you doing? Last week was part two of the little work story series that I'm doing on the podcast. I talked about working for a few months at Modell Sporting Goods, some fun stories and frustrations about that now bankrupt company. <laughs> and check that one out when you get a chance. Today, Today's an episode I've been looking forward to for a while now. I'm talking about the last in-person job I had pre-pandemic, my last campus job, my longest tenured part-time job, all that. It was full of memories, so I had to make it its own episode. In some real-world news, wow, what a week. (laughs) It would be hard to say that nobody heard what was going on with the stock market this week, to which I will gladly explain as simply as possible. Here's the background. GameStop is a failing company. The GameStop business model was predicated on in-person sales and trading in of old games, as well as pre-orders and early game releases. The writing was on the wall when the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 came out, where you could download games straight to your console to play. And ever since PC gaming has become more mainstream, combined with the Nintendo Switch, the PS4, and the Xbox One, GameStop has very little room to compete. And really, why stand in line for a hard copy of a game when you can have it download in your house when you just go run errands and stuff? Here's the beginning of the stock story. GameStop upper management decided to restructure and rework their company to be more investor friendly and increase their market cap, which is related to how well their stock is doing. A bunch of hedge funds, which are basically companies who buy a bunch of different stocks, repackage them and sell them to you, bought the short of GameStop's stock. A short, to explain, is a bet that the stock will go down in price and you make money off of the difference in price. Here's a good example I saw. Let's say you borrow someone's shoes and you tell them, hey, I'll give it back to you in a week. You then see that those same shoes might go on sale next week. You sell their shoes for $100 three days after you borrow them. Then all of a sudden, hey, you were right. The shoes were only selling for $60 that next week. So you buy those shoes at the discount, then you give them back to your friend. You have now fulfilled your obligation to your friend to give them the shoes back, and you made $40. 
That strategy is called a short. Now, shorts are really risky because you technically have the risk of unlimited losses because of that. I'll explain. Now, let's say you sold those shoes three days after you acquired them at the $100 price, but there wasn't a, sh a sale. You thought there would be, but there wasn't a sale on the price of the shoes. And to get the identical pair of shoes, you have to pay $140. You now lost money on selling those shoes, which is called a short squeeze. You have to pay extra money just to fulfill your obligation. Because now you have a situation where you lose money because you don't have the shoes. You promised to give them back. And now you have to pay even more money just to get the shoes back. Now, back to the unlimited loss thing. In this example, you lose money if those shoes are any price above $100 because you sold them for 100 and if you're paying anything more than $100, $100 one cent, you're losing money. So if the shoes were $200 or $300 when you tried to buy them back, you just keep losing money. That is what a bunch of people on Reddit and Discord figured out with GameStop over the past week. They saw that a bunch of hedge funds got a ton of contracts for the short position on the GameStop stock and took action. GME, which is the stock ticker symbol, GME was selling at $17.25 on January 4th, the first business day of the year. Which isn't a bad price to pay if you have a couple hundred dollars to burn in a recession or anything like that. The Wall Street Bets subreddit mobilized a bunch of people to buy the stock, which would raise the price. And since the hedge funds in a short sell position basically have unlimited loss potential, they had to sell. This is literally what the phrase cutting your losses means. And because these huge billion dollar hedge funds have to put money into the stock market just to cut their contracts, the stock price gets higher and higher and higher. So GME was at $17.25 on January 4th, then a on January 11th, a week later, $19.94. Then on January 14th, $39.91. Then $43 on the 21st. And then $65 the next day. Then $77 this Monday. Then $147 on Tuesday. And hit $347 on Wednesday. It was madness. It, it was literally just normal people playing the system. It was crazy. Just based off of their research, they just mobilized and saw an opportunity and decided to take it. And it was one, it was one of the most remarkable things you'll ever possibly see. It was absurd. The whole motto was to the moon 
and man, GME was going nothing but up. But that's where the fun ends. Because what is perceived to be one of the biggest acts of class warfare you could ever imagine, Robin Hood, whose name, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Robin Hood, decided to stop listing and allowing purchases of more GameStop shares. For reference, that same subreddit, Wall Street Bets, were also blowing up AMC Entertainment stock and Nokia's as well. And Robinhood and other self-serve brokerage apps delisted and cut, transac cut transactions to the stocks that were on fire. Um, the main speculation was that the suits on Wall Street put hashtag the call uh, in to stop the wealthy dudes from losing their ability to pay for their seventh vacation homes yacht, you know, um, and the discourse about it was just so gross and elitist, you know, like the suits and analysts on MSNBC were all like, how can we allow these rogue jobless losers who pay play video games all day destroy the wonderful stock market that we've upheld this entire time like shut up all right life is supposed to move as normal when wall street gets bailed out by the trillions and trillions of dollars for the seventh time in my lifetime hedge funds and giant corporations profit off of the losses of the individual on a routine basis the one percent gained 3.9 billion dollars in net worth over the course of the pandemic while working class americans lost 3.6 billion dollars in net worth over the same time frame how do you suppose that happens it may not be a one-to-one -one correlation but when you look at it and you don't really apply that much thought to it you're just thinking well that went up by almost the same amount that that went down right People, uh, people getting evicted and have nowhere to live. People, uh, COVID rates in California are going literally insane, but the malls are still open. And oh, by the way, the new administration has not even come close to pushing those two K checks out. Uh, it seems like they were gonna uh, uh, rein it into fourteen hundred dollars. I'm like what the promises you know pe people are mad you know what i mean people have been mad for a very long time and this was uh one of the most organic organization organizational attempts to reclaim individual disposable income and then it got shut down so people are mad they are big mad and you know capitalism capitalism only works for you if you have capital and that capital does not jeopardize the mass accumulation of wealth of the 1%. And people find it patently absurd. And it showed itself this week. In other stock-related news, the meme cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, <laughs> Dogecoin was to the moon last night. It's not doing too hot today, but you know, everyone's saying to hold anyway but oh my goodness last night was a ride last night it almost hit it hit almost eight cents no it did hit eight cents last night per per coin it was 
oh, what a time. You just gotta have, you just had to be there, you know? What a time it was. But, hey, Doge to the moon. <laughs> so, for the recommendation section that we now finally get into the podcast, um, got a few songs I've been spinning. And when I mean spinning, I mean nonstop. First one is Reckless by Aaron Ray. I think I've mentioned that one a good amount of times. Emotionally Scarred by Lil Baby. Could Have Been by Her featuring Bryson Tiller. And my new favorite song by a whole mile. I literally cannot stop listening to it. High School Reunion, comma, Prom by St. John featuring Lil Uzi Vert. Oh my goodness. Guys, my coworker put me onto this song last week, and it just couldn't have been. It's just so good. I listened to St. John for the first time in like 2018 when Collection One came out, and I mean, I liked what I heard, but I haven't really kept up until you know recently. Uh, I saw Roses was popping off on TikTok, and then it got a remix, but I didn't listen to his most recent album in like I think it came out October 2020 which this song is on so high school reunion by itself was a song on his second project in 2019 then Lil Uzi hopped on the remix for 2020 and my gracious what a track to the moon indeed uh, what a lifestyle that song leads me to live in the comfort of my basement <laughs> But what a banger. Love love that song. Song of the week, maybe month, maybe year, even though it came out last year. Shout out my Spotify wrapped in my Apple replay for 2021 because that song already has a really good lead. So, now that the longest lead up to the actual podcast is over, let's get into it. Last and final college job the last in-person job i've had uh kind of i'll explain that later uh came three years after the last one i didn't have an on-campus job from spring 2016 to spring 2019 because i really just focused on my academics and i was only in philadelphia for six month stretches in between my internships back home so I really didn't need to have a job until it was spring 2019 and I knew I was going to be going to school for 15 months straight starting in March of that year and your boy is expensive. <laughs> you can only save so much from previous internships to have no income for an extended period of time and have, you know, rent car payments, car insurance, groceries, gas, and miscellaneous extracurricular activity expenses. <laughs> so around May 2019, I started looking for a job. I went up to the accounting floor one fateful day, and the department coordinator asked me, hey, Theo, are you looking for a job? To which I said, yeah, I just started looking for a job like yesterday. And it was smooth sailing from there. Walnut Street Cafe on 30th and Walnut was looking for an accounting intern and I said why not and by early June I was hired let me break down 
the business structure. So this company, I'll call it Walnut Hospitality Group, had three restaurants. One was Walnut Street Cafe, full service restaurant at the bottom of the FMC building in Philadelphia, higher price point, higher quality food. Then there was the Post, which is which is slash was a sports bar right underneath of Evo, right next to the old Nelson. Had arcade games in there, typical sports bar stuff. Then there was Sunset Social, a rooftop bar on top of Sierra Green. Had cocktail drinks and low price point food. Basically the idea, catch a vibe, enjoy the view, get some food, get some drinks, enjoy yourself. I was hired to do payroll for all three restaurants at 20 hours a week. Throughout the entire time of me working there, they were super flexible with my class schedule from term to term, but I usually worked Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. With some variations depending on the term and finals week and stuff like that, usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So the management team for all three restaurants wasn't too big really and since sunset and the post opened in late 2018 and early 2019 i believe they were expanding operations and their accounting department really was just one person (laughs) so he brought me in underneath to work with him and off to work i was Doing payroll was the priority every week because the way the restaurant and bar employees get paid is significantly more complex than a normal part-time job. If you don't know, most restaurants and bars are split between front of house, back of house, and management. Management's really straightforward, probably salaried or fixed hourly, something like that, nothing crazy. Back of house, also pretty straightforward. Got line cooks, sanitation workers, pastry chefs, etc. Usually hourly, above minimum wage, pretty simple. Front of house was where it got complex. For bars, front of house is servers, bartenders, and head bartenders, to which bartenders and servers are paid below minimum wage and paid primarily with tips. And when I mean below minimum wage, I mean like $3 an hour, like less than $3 an hour. So they needed tips to make a living wage. For full service restaurants, back of house was the same. Um, front of house was a little different. It was their servers, service leaders, hosts, baristas for breakfast and bartenders for lunch and dinner. Uh, hosts and service leaders were paid above minimum wage but weren't getting tips and everyone else front of house was like three dollars sunset social was a little different it was technically a rooftop bar but they had drafts on tap certain beer cans certain bottles certain seltzers and predetermined cocktails and they had line cooks and cashiers and that was really about it Sunset was really, really simple. But the initial hill to climb with my job 
was that payroll had to be done by Tuesday at every by Tuesday at 5 p.m. every week because everyone was paid weekly. And I had to do everyone that was at all three restaurants and break out their tips properly, which took eight or nine hours to do on Monday when I started. By the time Wednesday came and I went back in, uh, payroll was done, and then I was doing invoices. So basically just scanning them, organizing, all that stuff. When I was done, I would do bank reconciliations or bank recs for short. And basically that meant I counted the cash transactions for every single day and all three restaurants from the past week. So 21, basically 21 days combined worth of cash, um, which sometimes wasn't that much. And sometimes it was over like $6,000 in straight cash. (laughs) Oh man. And like a lot of cash, you know, and just, just as a side note, you know what a real flex is having $10 bills. I swear they might be the rarest bill out there. Like there, there were several weeks where I counted more fifties on their own and hundreds on their own than tens. And people were spending bank at these places and no, no tens. All 20s, 50s, 100s, and some 1s, but you know what I mean. There's no 10s. It's really weird. Same thing Same thing I noticed when I was working at Panera. Never had 10s. Never had 10s. <laughs> but back to the real story. Usually, Fridays, in terms of my job, were really chill because payroll was in. Cash was already counted. Um, so event- And eventually, I got really, really efficient at doing payroll. What do I mean? Uh, I mean that eventually I was done payroll and cash at 3 p.m. on Monday. So six hours into work, I'd be done 80% of my initial workload. I was just flying. Like, I AirPods in, world out. I was flying through some of these, like, tasks and stuff. Uh, so eventually they had me do new tasks. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. My office was actually in the bottom of Walnut Street Cafe. And I should clarify, every time I say, quote unquote, the restaurant, that's Walnut Street Cafe. I'll say Sunset for Sunset Social. The post is, well, the post. (laughs) So for the restaurant, I was going so quickly that they started expanding my role. And that's where the fun came. Eventually, I was getting invited to manager meetings. And let me break down to you how it went. There was the owner of all three businesses who'd pop into the meetings in person. Um, But day to day wasn't too strictly involved in the things that I did or that the servers or bartenders did. Two of the three primary managers, I'd say, were more restaurant people than business people. The other primary manager was strictly about hosting events. Three other managers were 100% restaurant people. Another manager was 75% business, 25% bar and hospitality knowledge. My direct boss was a business guy who had worked in restaurants before. And there I was, a tax accountant. But the gist is that most people were that were in charge 
were restaurant-minded first. Keep that in mind, because that's very important. I should explain how the companies make money. So let's start with Walnut Street Cafe, the restaurant. So the restaurant operated almost exclusively off of margins buy basically buy apple alcohol and food at a certain price throw anything from an 18 percent to 22 percent margin on it settle it at that margin and profit but here was the problem facing walnut we were spending too much money on everything more on that later let's talk about the post same thing about margins, you know, get the beer, get the wine, get the whatever, slap a margin on it, profit margin. Uh, but we made a lot of money off of the arcade games and events. The arcade game companies that we leased the ski ball and air hockey and other games from gave us like a 50% cut of all revenue from the arcade games, which was solid the we also survived off of events so remember that manager who i said was just all events that was him he would rent out the post for events and happy hours like three to four times a week for hundreds and thousands of dollars each contract for the party would come with options you either wanted a full service party just an alcohol party or a primarily food party then you paid fixed costs to those menus, plus the service fee for us to rent out the place or one side of the bar just for you to have on your own. And we had a lot of common groups come rent out the post and sunset, uh, which I'll get to. But just to name a few at the post, Drexel Club Soccer, Penn Medicine, Brandywine Realty Trust, who actually owned the buildings we rented out from them. Um, FMC, and a bunch of Greek life organizations. These same groups would rent Walnut out, but a little less frequently, especially it's just so much simpler to say, hey, uh, we have a party at this bar versus, hey, we have this party at this like fine dining restaurant. <laughs> so, it you know, it's just easier to rent out a bar. Um, then Sunset. Oh, also, I should add the last thing about the post. The Post also spent too much money, but on different things, which we'll get to, I promise. Lastly was Sunset. Sunset was a really simple business model. Uh, tips are a plus, but everyone gets paid at least minimum wage up there. Um, the food was low cost to us and relatively low cost to the customer, which I'll get to. Um, they get a rooftop view, get some drinks, get some more food, invite their friends, stay on the roof, get some more drinks, get some more food, invite more friends, put it on their Instagram story, invite more people, and it just keeps going. But guess what they did? <laughs> kind of the opposite, actually. They didn't generate enough money. So my new task, like I said, we'll get to it, I promise. I promise, just trust, trust. So my new task after I became efficient at payroll was to cost out all of the food items. Now, what this means to cost out the food items is to measure 
how much per serving goes into a food item. Then C, how much that costs according to our invoices and see if we're charging the right price to our customers. So basically, let's say we're selling a cheeseburger. So that would be one serving of buns, one patty, one serving of lettuce, one slice of tomato, all that. And it had to get measured and weighed. So then I would compare how much that would cost against the package price we'd order all the stuff for. So if one case of ground beef costs $20 and that case would make 10 burger patties, you would say that each burger has at the very least $2 of ground beef associated with it. And then you do that for everything else. That was my job for two weeks. (laughs) for every single menu item at all three restaurants, breakfast, lunch, dinner, parties, all that, specialty items, everything. Honestly, it was kind of fun. I, I was just watching the chefs make every single menu item for me, and then we'd measure it together, I'd write the stuff down, and then at the end of it, I'd just eat whatever they made. <laughs> Not everything, but like at the very end, they're like, what of the stuff that I make do you want? I'd pick it. And I'd eat it. And I never had to pay for food during those two weeks. (laughs) It was fantastic. Um, And fun fact, that project I did, I actually put it on my LinkedIn. If you want to read about it, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said on this podcast. Anyway, (laughs) that project's on my LinkedIn. Um, So if you've ever seen that before, this is what I'm talking about. Um, Now, the thing that was baffling was that my manager who assigned this to me said that when they opened all three restaurants, their finance person at the time, not the person I'm under now, not my boss now, when they opened it at the time, their finance person didn't do this. They basically just set the menu prices off of just vibes. Like, no detailed cost analysis, just vibes. And it just amazing, just an amazing thought concept. They looked at a steak with some medallions and all that and just said, eh, and just threw the price on it. What? It was just so wild. So when I finished that project, let me tell you, I was literally face palming Every single time I'd finish a menu item, especially at sunset, Walnut wasn't too bad. But like I said, you'll see how bad they got with other things later. Let's start with the post. I'll describe it as we were selling X dollars of this at this. So you can see the margins we were just straight up missing first. We were selling $4 of mac and cheese at $9. Nice for us. For the customers, not really. (laughs) We were selling $7 at the post. $7 of onion rings at $7. So a push, which isn't good for us. This one's bad. We were selling $11 of cheese curds 
at $8. <laughs> like, we should have just given them away at that point. Like, it was so bad. We were selling $8 of of wings at $9 based on serving size. So, we had, we had to, uh, we adjusted a lot at the post. But all the rest weren't too bad. But, oh, my goodness, Sunset. Just listen to what happened at Sunset. Remember, this is the rooftop bar. Sunset Social. I said the, the food wasn't that high in price. Just listen to this. We were selling a $4 plain hamburger for $5. Right? So, they just hear, hear me out. That's where we're starting. We were selling a $4 plain hamburger. $4 it cost us. To con- the consumer, $5. That's what we were starting. We were selling a $5 cheeseburger for $5. We were selling a $7 hamburger with Taylor ham on it and cheese. A $7 Taylor ham and cheese burger for $5. We were selling a Hawaiian burger, pineapples, teriyaki sauce, and a burger, and cheese. That cost us seven and a half dollars. We were selling it for five dollars. We were selling an eight dollar double cheeseburger for six dollars. We were selling a ten dollar. Double cheeseburger with ham on it for $7. (laughs) Like, what? Like, it was so frustrating. I'm like, do you, did you all not see the problem here? How do you figure that you can add more to a hamburger? Literally add more things to the product you're selling and keep the price the same and see positive returns from that. Like, what? It was just so baffling. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Safe to say, um, when I finished this report, we changed our prices and serving sizes expeditiously. <laughs> so my next tasks, uh, along with my accounting manager, was to build out a budget. And I know it sounds crazy that a business entity that operates three restaurants didn't have a centralized budget before I showed up. But like I said, these people were restaurant focused. They were spending off of pure vibes. That took a few weeks to integrate in with my normal tasks, but it worked really well. And then we noticed some glaring problems. We had this software that would overall show whether sales were up or down, but there wasn't much reporting prior to us making this budget on how this individual spending just crushed us sometimes. For my non-finance and accounting homies, please just bear with me as I explain this. So businesses generally break out their type of spending into categories, direct labor hours, purchases, and overhead costs. Overhead costs are generally fixed. They don't change much, if at all, from month to month. This is 
rent, your utilities, cable bills, Wi-Fi, stuff like that. Direct labor hours is how much you are paying the people who are working. This is the problem that the Post had. They had really good sales, but they had too many people working each shift or had too many people working too long each shift to stay afloat against their fixed costs and their sales revenue. Purchases was where Walnut was going down. And I mean, it was bad. Some of the managers were just buying new wines because they wanted to try them. Just buying new things for aesthetic purposes for the restaurant. Just buying new ingredients for vibes. But nothing, and I mean nothing, was worse than what I am about to tell you. Oh my goodness. Walnut Street Cafe had special monogrammed pens, okay? Pens. And we were running low on said fancy pens. Now me, with even more free time since the budget was done, had to approve purchase requests like against the budget. So someone would send me something, it would be this price for this category of item, and I would look at the budget to see if we had the room for it, and then go from there. So one of the managers put in a purchase request for 1,000 of the customized pens with our logo on it, right? You would never guess how much they cost. Just, Just take a little brief moment. Think of how much that could cost. $819. Yep. You had to be at my desk to hear the collective exasperated laughter my boss and I had when we saw that. Like, what? Almost a grand, a stack on pens. It was so unbelievable. So, of course, we rejected it. We looked up one of our suppliers and said, hey... Uh, we can get a thousand Bic pens for $80. And the other managers weren't having it. And it got really testy. Like, this is why I said that stylistic difference between the managers really mattered. That managers meeting, after the time this whole pens thing came up, had a lot of friction. Eventually, they folded because we had to explain that that saving $700 on pens could let you buy something that actually matters. (laughs) Like, people see nice pens at restaurants and literally take them. So we can spend that on literally anything else. It was just so funny. Now, one of my other roles which was one of the craziest things ever, was to purchase things after they were approved. And of course, that involves buying linens and cups and napkins and all that, right? But that also meant I was purchasing things such as, wait for it, alcohol. (laughs) I was in charge of texting all of our suppliers from beer kegs to wine to get delivered. We need more White Claws. I'm sending the text. 
Need more Pinot? I'm sending the text. Need more kegs? I'm sending the text. It was a wild delegation. Considering if you know me, I don't know anything about alcohol at all. Like some of our reps would bring stuff in for me to try. They'd be like, oh, Theo, uh, we brought over a sample of this new coffee beer they or something like that and i was just like uh uh i can't have that <laughs> and it's not like i physically or morally cannot do it it's just that i don't do it really or often at all like i i remember at this very moment i actually remember to the day the last time i drank something that had any alcohol in it december 21st 2019 was the last time I had anything with any alcohol content in it. To give you some scale, I graduated college on June 10th, 2020. Still, still nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just, it's just so rare for me to do so. And I, it just doesn't happen often. And here I am in charge of the logistics of the alcohol for all three restaurants. And it was funny. It was just, it was just very funny. Um, there were some moments where I was like, am I allowed to have this much influence at a company? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yes, I understand that my resume and work experience says that I have over a year and a half of accounting experience, but I also don't have a college degree yet. So it was funny, especially the amount of leeway I had with what happened at sunset, you know? Like, all of the prices of the food were determined by me. All of the equipment, disposables, and alcohol was ordered by me. All of the billing for the events was invoiced by me. Everyone who got paid up there was determined by me. <laughs> so it was fun. Like, it was, it was, it was fun having that kind of like, oh, you have the power, you know? <laughs> Uh, here's some fun stories about my almost year of working there. I worked there from June to March of 2020. Um, I met the entire Philadelphia Fusion Overwatch team at work one day. Uh, I met Roy Hibbert walking to work one day. Um, being seven feet tall just seems like a wild life experience when you're just doing normal people stuff <laughs> netflix rented out walnut street cafe for an entire morning slash afternoon to shoot a scene of queer eye which was pretty cool i hadn't and still haven't watched a single episode yet so i don't know if the scene if the scene of them at walnut made it into the final cut of the show but i did get to see the entire cast which was pretty cool <laughs> the movie 21 bridges has a scene in our restaurant um so the movie starred the legend uh may he rest in peace chadwick boseman and it the settings in new york but if you pay close enough attention you can see that it's in philly sometimes so there's this scene where a guy is walking into a hotel to meet someone, I believe, and the hotel lobby is all black. That's actually AKA University City. <laughs> like the hotel, AKA University City, is that is in that scene. 
And there's this other scene where a guy is on a fo- on the phone going through what looks like a basement, and it's mostly white. And that is actually the bottom of Walnut Street Cafe. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. Um, AKA University City was attached to the restaurant. And we had an agreement that all the hotel guests could order room service from the restaurant to their room. And we had an account with them that we would bill. So I was in communication with their head accountant a lot. And AKA had this lounge area in the hotel called Level 28 and had a and it had a bar in there as well. And I knew their head bartender because our orders would accidentally go there sometimes. And because I knew them so well, they said I could hang out in level 28 as much as I wanted. <laughs> and which was probably the best work perk you could give a 22 year old. They said I could come whenever I wanted. And I'm like, even when I'm off work, they're like, yeah. And I'm like, shoot, <laughs> just look it up. Just look it up. They have a, they have an Instagram page. I think it's level 28 underscore AKA or something like that. I don't know, but they have an Instagram page and you'll see why I loved it so much. Like on my breaks, I would literally just go up there and do nothing. (laughs) Just enjoy the ambiance, you know? But I think that sums up all of the fun stories related to that work experience. The, Employee discounts were lit, but the managers usually just kind of fed me. <laughs> so I'd bring my friends as much as humanly possible. Uh, but hey, COVID sh- shifted things a lot. Eventually, I stopped working there because a lot of what I needed to do involved us, you know, being open. And, you know, that was that. Uh, stopped working there after graduation. I did a little remote work um, in like June or something like that. But I didn't really, we just kind of agreed to, uh, stop working and I really don't keep up much with what's going on anymore, but you know what? It's all good. But I want to say thank you for tuning in. I have one more of these, one more set of work stories that'll be coming out relatively soon. Um, that one should be really interesting because you're kind of, you're gonna start seeing like if you didn't already know how my brain works you're just gonna start you know mad, like just seeing all of these stupid things I think of and how I kind of plan my day so I'm looking forward to that one in the meantime thank you for tuning in I hope you stay safe I hope you continue to wear a mask I hope you continue to avoid social interactions if necessary please stay safe please stay healthy. And I'll catch you all next time.